You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. If you found your place, if you will, stand to your feet out of honor and reverence to the Word of God as we read our scripture text, if you're physically able. We know the story of 1 Samuel 17, David, and uh, of course, the battle with Goliath and uh, the victory, the great victory that he won. We know how it all transpired, how that David was keeping sheep, his brothers were in the army, and his father says to him, I want you to go and I want you to see them. I want you to see how they're doing. Take them some supplies. So we'll pick up the story in verse number 20. And David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath. Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Our Heavenly Father, tonight, how our hearts rejoice at being in the house of God. Lord, my spirit has been refreshed as I have listened to the singing. As we've been reminded of Calvary. And the Savior who went there and paid the price. Who shed His precious blood who provided a cleansing wave whereby we could be washed and made whiter than snow. And because of what you have done, we can truly say this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. 
I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Lord, tonight as we open your word, we are still in this world. And there is still an hour that seems increasingly dark around us. There are difficulties that seem increasingly challenging as we look ahead. But may we be reminded that there is a God in heaven who sits upon the throne and everything's all right in my Father's house. May you help us, may you challenge us. May we go forth from this place determined to live for you and to serve you with every fiber of our being in these last days. Get honor and glory unto yourself. We'll thank you for it. For we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In our text, we have recorded for us the introduction to one of the greatest and most well-known events written of in the Word of God. This story of David and Goliath, it is an account with which we are all familiar, and yet it is a story from which there is much to glean, especially in the day and hour in which we are living. And by way of introduction, I want to direct your attention to the little statement that David makes. It's actually a question in verse number 29. The last statement of our scripture reading was this great question posed by David. And he asked this question, is there not a cause? Could I just answer this evening from my perspective, from my opinion, there is a cause. And that is the subject of my message for this hour, is there is a cause. I want you to note with me, first of all, the cause and its certitude. David asked this question in verse number 29, is there not of cause? Of course, for David, this is a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is a question that is asked, not expecting to be answered, because the answer is obvious. I mean, it is plain, it is clear to see. And David is certain that there is a cause. That little word certitude, the cause and its certitude, that little word certitude means the state of being or feeling certain. And David is sure that there is a cause. What makes David so confident? What makes David so assured that there is a cause? Well, notice, first of all, considering the security of the people of Israel, there is a cause. If you go back and read the introduction to the story, in chapter 17 and verse number one, we read this. Now the Philistines had gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah. Do you realize that the enemy has come in and has camped on Israel's land? This is literally an invasion. This is territory that has been purchased with great price. First of all, it had been deeded to them by God. And by the way, God has not changed his mind about the promised land. It still belongs to Israel. 
And by the way, the day is coming when they will possess every square inch of that which God has determined to be theirs. Could I just say that the enemy had come. This was property that had been granted to them by God. It had been fought for by men like Joshua and Caleb and those armies of Israel. It had been uh, purchased at great price. And now the enemy has come in. The enemy has set up camp. The enemy has taken possession. And David looked around and he said, hey, I don't like this. I think there is a cause to get involved in what's going on because I don't like the fact that our security is at risk. Not only considering the security of the people, but considering the scorn of their God. You do realize that that's one of the things that upsets David. David in verse number 26 says, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? God's name had been scorned. God's name had been mocked. God's people had been ridiculed. And David said it's time for somebody to step up and do something about what's going on. Not only considering the security of the people and the scorn of their God, considering the significance of the outcome there most certainly was a cause. In fact, when Israel gets in the battle, when you get to the end of the chapter, I want you to notice over in verse number 52 what happens. And the men of Israel and Judah, of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. You know where Ekron was, don't you? That was the Philistine stronghold. That was their city. In other words, what Israel did, Israel rose up and they drove them out of Israel's territory back to their territory. He says they drove them, in verse number 52, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. I mean, they licked them till they ran all the way to the house. I mean, they went all the way home. And could I just say, David said, hey, we're in trouble and there is a cause. Now, could I just say this tonight to us? There is a cause. Is there a cause for you to give yourself to serving God? Is there a cause to live a holy and consecrated life in these days? Is there a cause to be faithful to prayer and Bible study and attendance at the house of God? Is there a cause to knock doors and pass out tracts and share the gospel with those around us? Well, let's consider the enemy has come and is camped in our territory. Our Christian homes have been invaded. Our churches have been invaded. Our cities, our country has been invaded. And all of that which we hold dear and was given to us by those who came before us is at stake. And could I just say tonight, for the sake of another generation, there is a cause. Not only that, the enemy has not only come in and taken territory that does not belong to him, the enemy has mocked and scorned our God. The enemy has ridiculed our Bible. The enemy has made fun of our faith. And for the honor of our God, there is a cause. And considering the significance of what is taking place around us, these are some of the most impactful and influential days in the history of not just our country, but in the history of the entire world. And because of the importance of the outcome, 
There is a cause. There is a cause to go. There is a cause to give. There is a cause to work. There is a cause to pray. There is a cause to serve. Could I say tonight, I am certain there is a cause. Now let's notice not only the cause and its certitude, but I want you to notice with me secondly, the cause and a commitment. Once David is convinced about the reality of the cause, notice what happens, verse number 31. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David not only understood that there was a cause, but David was willing to commit himself totally to this cause. David was ready to invest his time. This was not his calling. He was not a soldier. This was really not his responsibility. He was not in the army. But David knew that something needed to be done. And if nobody else would commit themselves to the cause, David would commit himself to the cause. Could I just say tonight, I am so weary and so tired of people saying, well, that's not my battle, or that's not my fight, or that's not my cause. Can I say, there is a cause, and we need some people who will just be willing to say, I will commit myself, I'll give my time. By the way, David's willing to give his talents. Now, you know, David didn't have everything that really people thought he should have had. David didn't have a soldier's education. He had not been through military academy. He didn't know anything about tactics. He had not been trained on maneuvers. He didn't know about planning for overlapping fields of fire. David did not understand anything about logistics. David just said, there's something to be done. I'll just do what I can. Can I say you may not have a Bible college education. You may not have the most talent and ability. You may not have the highest skill level. But could I just tell you there's something that needs to be done? Why don't tonight you just commit yourself to the cause? Say, here I am. Whatever I have to offer, here it is. I will go and fight. By the way, David is not only willing to invest his talent. He doesn't have a soldier's experience. By the way, he doesn't even have a soldier's equipment. I mean, while everybody else is walking around with spears and swords and shields and breastplates and uh, armor, David, I imagine he's probably just got a rough coat on. I probably wouldn't even stop a, a, you know, a, a, a stick that got in his way. David doesn't have a, a fancy, shiny sword. He does have a little sling in his pocket. David doesn't have a lot to offer. By the way, David doesn't even have a soldier's experience. He's never stepped on a battlefield and met an armed man and looked him in the eye knowing that that man was prepared to take his life. It's one thing to think about it. It's another thing to actually go and do it. David has not been there. You know, David didn't know a lot, but David did know a little bit about slings and stones. And more importantly, David knew about God. Could I just say, here's the most important qualification. Do you know God? 
And if you know God, everything else will fall into place if you'll commit yourself to the cause. By the way, David is willing to invest his time. David is willing to invest his talent. And David is willing to invest his treasure. He doesn't have much. He has a little script that is a shepherd's bag. He has a little sling. He'll pick up a handful of rocks. Uh, David didn't have much, but David did have some expectations. You know what David expected? David expected that soldiers fight. That's what puzzles him. He looks around. Here's the guys with the training. Here's the guys with the equipment. Here's the guys with the experience. Here's the guys with all the talent and all the ability. And they're not doing anything. David says, well, if nobody else is going to fight, I'll just step up to the plate. I'll take the place. I'll do what I can because soldiers fight. That's just what we expect soldiers to do. By the way, have you noticed how soft we've gotten our American churches? We used to sing songs like a soldier in the army of the king of kings am I. He called me to his colors and for him I'll live or die. I'll go wherever he bids me and I'll do his least command. Beneath the banner of the cross I'll gladly take my stand. We used to sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. Paul said to Timothy, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He reminded him, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You've been enlisted tonight. You're a part of the army of God. And we ought to understand that a responsibility of soldiers is to fight. Not only did David have expectations, David had emotions. You know what was going on bothered David? It troubles me that we can watch our world spiritually collapse around us and it doesn't bother us. David said, look at this guy. He's coming. He's defying our armies. He's blaspheming our God. Man, I'm stirred up about it. I may go down, but I'm going to go out and at least give him a lick. I'm going to know that, I'm going to let him know that somebody is opposed to what he's doing. Somebody's willing to put God at stake. Somebody's willing to trust God. Somebody's willing to step out by faith. I'm not just going to sit back and say, oh, well, it's just the day. It's just the hour. Well, that's what do you expect. We're in the last times. David said this might be the last time, but I'm going to go out with a shout. And could I just say these may be the last days, and I believe they are. And I believe it's going to get worse and not better, and I'm not a pessimist. But I do know this. I do know that when I go down, I want to go down swinging. I want to go down with a fight. I want to go down and people know whose side I'm on. I want my colors to be clear. Not only the cause and the commitment, David said, thy servant will go and fight. You say, how could, how could David be so assured? Well, that brings us to point number three, not only the cause and its certitude, not only the cause and a commitment, but I want you to notice the cause and a consideration. How could David be so confident and sure? How could David march out to face? And by the way, if you read the story, David didn't just march out to face Goliath. Goliath had an armor bearer who carried his shield who went before him. I mean, it was more than just one nine-foot guy against a young man. 
It was a nine-foot guy and another guy who knows how big he was against a young man. So how could David be so confident? Look at verse number 47. David says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. David had considered this matter. David had thought about it. David had contemplated this matter, and he understood that the battle was not in his hands, but the battle was in God's. The battle is the Lord's. Now, when you think about that, you note the reliance that it proclaimed. It meant that David was trusting God. Could I just say in this day and hour more than ever in our lives, we need to learn to just simply trust God. It's not all going to make sense. It's not all going to seem fair. It's not all going to work out the way we think we should, it should. But can I tell you, you can just simply trust God. Just trust and obey. No, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I believe if we'd get off of the internet, if we'd turn off the news, if we'd just put our Bible on the table and open it up, and begin to read because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, I need some trust vitamins. I need something to build my faith. Well, you got a whole book of it right here. Just open it up and start reading. You say, where should I? Just any place will do you a good dose. I mean, it'll help you out. If you'll just open up your Bible and read it, it will build your faith in God. The reliance it proclaimed, David's trusting God. By the way, because David was trusting God, because he had great reliance, notice the readiness that it provoked. Here's what David said. Well, if the battle is the Lord's, I want to get involved. You know, I always want to be on the winning side. I was reminded today, I, I went to Bible college at Midwestern Baptist College. Dr. Tom Malone was the pastor of our church there, the chancellor of our school. And we used to have open gym on Thursday nights. Every Thursday night, we'd have open gym. We'd have all the thugs from the community come in. I mean, it, it looked like a gang meeting. We'd bolt up the rest of the school. Nothing was open but the gymnasium. And Dr. Malone would come and play basketball with the thugs. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was on. But here's what Dr. Malone would do. He's 82 years old. He'd walk out on that floor, little stoop man. He'd look around with that gravelly voice. He'd say, I'll take you and you and you and you. Let's go, boys. You know what he did? He always picked the best guys. The guys that were the tallest, the strongest, the fastest, could shoot the best, could dribble the best. He always picked the best. And guess what? The rule was... You stay on the floor until you lose. Well, Dr. Malone never lost. Now, he's 82 years old. He's running about a basketball court like this, but he's on the winning side. <laughs> you know what it was? It wasn't necessarily his skill or talent. It's who he has partnered up with. All can I say in this battle, it's not your skill or your talent. It's not what you can do. It's not what ability you have. It's who you're partnered up with. David looked around. He said, I can choose sides. 
I can choose Saul, who's head and shoulders, but he's over there cowering in the corner. I could choose Goliath. I mean, he looks pretty big and impressive. He's called the champion of the Philistines. But then I've got a third option. I could just choose to go with God. Man, when I weigh out these odds, when I realize that God's on one side, I'm going to jump on God's side because I know we're going to come out on top when it's all said and done. You see, here's the result that it presumed. Here's what David said. He said, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. You realize David wasn't fighting for victory when he walked out on that field. He was fighting from victory. He already said, I already know the outcome. You know, I I found this little story. It's really quite humorous. Fellow said this. He said, I passed a sandlot yesterday. Some kids were playing ball. I strolled along the third baseline within the fielder's call. Say, what's the score, I ask. He yelled to beat the stuffing. There's no one out. The base is full. They're winning 42 to nothing. You're getting beat, aren't you, my friend? And then in no time flat, he answered, no, sir, not as of yet. Our side's not up to bat. Could I just say it may look like we're getting the stuffings licked out of us. It may look like we're losing on every front. It may look like colleges are compromising and churches are compromising. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. We're getting the stuffings licked out of us. But can I tell you, we haven't been up to bat yet. And one of these days, our cleanup header is going to step to the plate. He's going to march from out of the eternal world into this world. He's going to come riding on a white horse with many crowns upon his head. We're not even going to have to lift a finger. And he's going to set everything all right. We're on the winning side. You do realize that, don't you? David said, I'm willing to get involved because I've considered this thing and the battle is the Lord's. I've got to hurry tonight. I want you to notice the cause and its certitude. There is a cause. The cause and a commitment. Thy servant will go and fight. The cause and a consideration, the battle is the Lord's. But I want you to notice the cause and its contagion. Look at verse number 51. Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof, slew him, cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Could I just say, when one man committed himself wholly to the cause, it wasn't long until somebody else caught the fever. All of a sudden, all those men who had been so cowardly, all it took was one man. All it took was one person to step out. All it took was one person to say, I've considered the matter and the battle is the Lord's. One person to say, I will go and fight. I know there's a cause. I will go and fight because the battle is the Lord's. And all of a sudden, all of the men of Israel, all of the men of Judah are rising up. You can hear the sound of metal on metal as those swords come out of their sheaths. You can hear the sound of the armor clanking. You can hear the sound of the roar of battle. 
You can see bodies falling, limbs being flayed off. I mean, you can just see all the gore and it all came about because one man said, there is a cause and I'll get involved. When David took up the cause and got involved and he began to see God work, others were stirred. You see, it showed the ability that God is greater than Goliath. It caused others to see that victory was possible, that the cause could be undertaken. It stirred them to action. Let me ask you this question. Who's being stirred to action by your action? Daddy, are you stirring up your sons? Do you say, oh, it's prayer meeting night. Let's go to prayer meeting. It's no telling what God will do. God may just move in in a special way. It'd be a terrible thing for us to miss that. Let's show up for prayer meeting tonight. Mamas, are you stirring your children? Do you say, let's go to the Sunday school hour. Let's make sure that we're there early. Let's make sure that we're there so we can set up and listen to hear what God has to say because God might just decide to show up and do something this morning. Could I just ask this question? Teacher, who are you stirring up? Are you stirring up your pupils? I believe too many times that we as leaders are guilty of rather than stirring the embers, we're guilty of pouring water on the embers. Could I just say, let's not quench the zeal of youth. Oh, let's try to govern it. Let's try to direct it. But oh, I want to just fan the flames. I go to class and my goal when I go to class, yes, I want to educate and yes, I want to teach and yes, I want to instruct and yes, I want to train. But more than anything else, I want those young people who sit in that class to catch a breath of the flame of God. I want them to get stirred. Every once in a while, I veer off from teaching and air into preaching and it's okay. It doesn't bother me in the least bit because when I watch them sit in their desk and lift a hand, I see a tear roll down the face. I say they're getting something good. It may not be exactly what was in the lesson plan, but I know somebody that has a better plan. And I want to tell you what we need to do tonight is we need to stir the flames of others. And we do that by committing ourselves to the cause. But now remember the best is yet to come. See, there is the cause and it's certitude. There is a cause. The cause and a commitment, thy servant will go and fight. The cause and a consideration, the battle is the Lord's. The cause and its contagion, the men of Israel and Judah arose. I want you to notice the cause and its compensation. Verse number 57. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Somebody said that David left home a humble servant who was willing to do what he was supposed to do. And he returned home a heroic soldier who had been willing to do what no one else would do. But I want you to notice when everything's said and done, there's an audience with the king. Oh, I want to tell you, we're in the hot of the battle right now. 
Looks like we're getting the stuffings licked out of us. Looks like there's compromise all around. Looks like people are throwing in the towel. Looks like people are abandoning the faith. Looks like our numbers are growing weaker and weaker. Perhaps it looks like our country is going under never to rise again. But I want to tell you, when everything is said and done, I know what awaits. There is an audience with the king. Not just a king with a little K, but there is an audience with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. By the way, not only is there an audience with the king, but when David showed up, there was an award that he could offer. We'll cast our crowns at his nail-scarred feet, our joy complete, in his presence sweet. Eternity's greatest privilege will be casting our crowns at his feet. But I'm fearful that perhaps for many of us there might be another song that would be more apropos. Must I go and empty handed thus my dear Redeemer meet not one day of service give him lay no trophy at his feet. Oh ye saints arouse be earnest up and work while yet tis day Ere the night of death overtake thee, strive for souls while still you may. Oh, could I say tonight, there is a cause. There is a cause. I'm certain of it. But what we need is we need some people who will make a commitment. You say, but nobody else is. Nobody else was making a commitment. David had to step out all by himself. Oh, but here's what you'll find. The battle is the Lord's. And if you'll step out and say, God, I'll take up the cause. I'll pray. I'll preach. I'll wash buses. I'll knock doors. I'll invite people to come. I'll teach a class. I'll sing in the choir. I'll play an instrument. I'll run a vacuum cleaner. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. I'm willing to get involved. I don't have a lot of talent. I don't have a lot of ability. I don't have a lot of skill. I don't have a lot of training. But Lord, here am I. I will go and fight. Here's what you'll find. Oh, there'll be some others who'll follow in your pathway. Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. Well, if God could use them, surely God could use me. And one day, you'll have an audience with the king. And you'll be glad that you took up the cause. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.